That's retro fandango. That's retro fandango. When it's Android over iPhone, and you can keep your stupid amiibo, and always bashing on Nintendo. But that's retro fandango. That's retro fandango. Thanks, retro fandango. Well. Those are my switching sound effects. Richard, you ready to go live? I should have asked you before. Am I ready to go live? I thought yeah. we were live. Yeah, we are. I Hang on asked. a second. I got to do all my regular prep work for this show. Um, let's get to the house cleaning. Cartridge Club this month is playing Sewer Shark on the Sega CD. Someone from the, I need an official word from someone in the Cartridge Club on how well Sewer Shark is doing. A lot of people are playing it. Because a lot of thought is always put into what is the game of the month. And if the same number of people are playing Sewer Shark as any old other game, then it pretty much shows that it doesn't matter which game you pick. <laughs> it just it doesn't matter. Well, I'd say th this is probably a bit more true to the... Uh the original concept of the Cartridge Club, which is to play games you might have missed out on back in the day. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what I remember. I mean, granted, some of the uh, earliest selections were from Legend of Zelda, Mega Man, things like that. Castlevania, yeah. You know, but I, I interpret it more as you find the games that everybody's played this game, everybody's played that game. How about we play this, which is a pretty good game that most people haven't really spent a whole lot of time. It's just uh, the, the amount of people who have an avenue to get to a Sega CD or a 3DO game is... that, that That's also the thing. I mean, when you're doing a Nintendo Genesis, Super Nintendo, something like that, most people have access. Yeah. Even within the uh, realm of um, emulating games. I don't know. Is Sega CD kind of common to pop up there? Yeah, it's, but it's but, but this game in particular is a. It's a what, what do you call it? Like it's a, not a, it's not an on rail shooter. It's a choose <laughs> choose the right direction at the right time. Oh, is that what it is? I don't know. It, I only played a few minutes of it and I couldn't figure out what was going on. I, I thought it was one of those uh, like Dragon's Lair, like a quick no. time event. No, I, I think it's a like, a, well, not like I keep calling it like, a, but on rail shooter is a better word for it. But I, I get into the ship mm. and you go through the sewer and there's monsters and you shoot them. And then the game just finishes on me. And I don't know why. I don't know what I did in order maybe to Maybe you're just that over. good. <laughs> is it a really Yeah, maybe I game? just I finished the game in a minute. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I should go over to the Cartridge Club Discord and ask some people and figure out what's going on. You could do some Maybe investigating. Regardless uh, of the, the game, I do like the title. Sewer Shark's cool name. It is a pretty cool name. Uh, but the Cartridge Club is not the only thing that's uh, got some gaming happening this month. We also have the an unusual Beat the Bandy, Beat the Duke challenge. A, li a literal Beat the Bandy. So I guess I don't think there is uh, a game this month. Uh, they played um, through March and April. They played a, a number of games. There was Super Mario Brothers 2, uh, Rygar, 
Contra, and Super Ghouls and Ghosts, all on the NES. And then they assigned each other a certain number of points for each uh, each game. And anybody could play. Absolutely anyone could play. Um, but it just ended up that I think at the end of it, only um, uh, Matt Bandy and Duke beat all of those games to finish yep. and gave themselves some maximum points. So there was a tie. So at for this month, May, they're doing a... a is it a beat off? Is that what it's called? I don't know. What it's, <laughs> what's it? What's it called? I'm not sure. I'm gonna call it a beat off. They're doing a beat. Call it whatever you want. All I know is there is a thumbnail, and there's a, there's a lot of press. So over at uh, if you're listening, if you're watching this on YouTube today, you got time to watch it tomorrow on YouTube uh, tomorrow night at 8:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Matt Bandy and Duke are gonna have a beat off. To break the tie, maybe I should call it a tiebreaker. I don't know. Beat off is kind of good. Um, uh, and they're going to play balloon fight. And I guess who gets the most points in balloon fight? I don't know. I've never played balloon fight, so I'm not. Balloon fight's than... a pretty rough game. I've never you played. First, more start than playing it, and then you. Well, it's one of those games that you'd you, know, you put it in, you play it for five minutes. You're like, ah, all right, I see what's yeah. going on here. Yeah. But when you want to actually try to play it and rack up those points you realize that's oh, a tough game well i imagine it it's one of those uh high score games right like that's yeah. uh mm. derived from the arcades and just ended up on the nes for some reason maybe it wasn't which, which NES, is uh, what arcade. uh the beat the bandy challenge used to be a little more focused on picking one game and just getting that high score yeah uh, i i really got into it when we did that um uh, what was that uh, Atari game? Sequest? Yeah. Yeah, that, that was great times. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that the Beat the Bandy reverts back to that style for a little bit. I, I want to well, focus I, on one game. I think Matt Bandy just got tired of losing to Duke every month and decided to switch it up. I think that's what, what happened. Duke's not going to have time to play all these <laughs> games. <laughs> well... Um. And I don't normally uh, promote the LeBrain train on here because the the crossover isn't always the same. That that shows about music, and I'm I'm on that show quite a bit. But uh, at some point in the near future, we're going to be doing uh, a show on Tenacious D, and we're going to be diving deep into the albums and uh, other songs too from their HBO specials and whatnot uh, for Tenacious D. So if you're a Tenacious D fan, you're going to want to keep an eye out on the socials for that. You're going to talk about the movie also. I imagine so. It, it'll have to come up. Hmm. Yeah, but the, that's the yeah. only thing I know about them. I've never listened to their music. Oh my, my goodness! I have heard them when they were on like uh, like a talk show or something, mm-hmm. musical guest. But yeah. I've never listened to an entire album or anything. The classic, like the, the when I first got into them, they were just, they didn't even have an album yet. They were um, they had these uh, series of shorts on on HBO. Back in the day, like um, late 90s, 2000, <clears throat> working in, in television, you didn't have enough uh, money for cable. And so the way that you saw all these uh, HBO shows or, or you know, stuff that was on the higher end cable, we had, you know, just a, a group of people who had tapes going around. There was tapes all over the place. So that's where, I, you know, I first saw Trailer Park Boys. I'd get episodes of Sex in the City for Sarah. Um you know, also all all sorts of those 
those kind of shows. And one of the tapes that was going around was uh, these HBO shorts that Tenacious D did. And they were, you know, they weren't very long, so you could fit a bunch of them uh, on one tape at a very high quality. And uh, I think my toilet's running. <laughs> toilets are running yeah i got a problem you know you know well, you better you go catch handle. it you jiggle the handle anyways i'll just say uh that that's where i first well i first saw jack black on uh, a movie called high fidelity and then uh you know I, you know i was talking about high fidelity and people are like oh well you got to watch these tenacious d shorts and I started watching those and uh they were just funny little you know maybe 10 to 15 minute uh videos uh, where they, you know, they did all their skits and stuff, you know, they had like a live show and that and they incorporated all into these skits and they were hilarious. They were just so funny, funnier than the albums. I I'd say that's where they were at their, their peak. And, uh, you know, cause it was just all raw and fresh. Yeah. My toilet's definitely running Co- cover for a couple of minutes. Give me, give me a minute. Well, I guess I'll, uh, maybe about, I could uh, spend paint, some time. Painting. Talk about painting. Oh, well, yeah. When nobody's here, <laughs> there, there's nobody in the comments. That's that's a great time to plug all my painting. I guess for anyone who's listening to this on the replay, uh, I, I have started using uh, the Instagrams as well as my Twitter account to post pictures of all the little things that I'm painting. And for the first time ever, I have been consistently painting for, I'd say, about two to three weeks now, every single day. I got a little something done. So I'm trying to stay on track with that. What did I miss? Uh, nothing that you care to hear. Oh. How's the toilet? It stopped running. Oh, now. right. <laughs> Was it really just uh, water flowing? Yeah, like it's an older toilet, right? So, you know, on those older toilets when you... Sometimes you got to jiggle the handle oh, to get okay. it to, you know, burp to stop. I, I haven't had experience with one of those older toilets for quite a while now. The one thing I will say about uh, Japanese plumbing, high quality. I've never had an issue with a toilet here. I've also They're, never had one clog on me. They don't have those It's those crazy ones where you, you kneel down. Is that what they are there? Oh, the, the old style ones? Yeah. Uh, some places still do have them. Yeah. And you're okay in those situations. I forgot my no, notes. No. Too. It's a wild ride, but, uh, I, I have never enjoyed it. Look at, I got my cash out here too. I got just cash. Showing what are you displaying your, uh, your, uh, was it Bar- Barry game exchange cash? That, it, it what was the, the guy who's. You said there was a guy there who would just have uh, money in a display. Yeah, it's like, hey, come to my table. Check out all this money I got. I know he would have a glass. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if he did this time because this was the first time I didn't actually walk around. Um, but yeah, he has a glass table, and you come up to his table, and all you do is just see this, you know, cash like cash fanned out, dollar bills, hundred dollar bills, all fanned out under glass, you know, to say like, hey. We'll give you cash for your games. Any games so, you so that is what he, he does buy games. He does, yeah. From other people there. Okay. Well, he, he has a store, right, in Scarborough. And uh, it, he's one of the first guys, like, when the when the show first starts, before anybody else can come in, he sends people to go around the tables, and they're all looking for high-end uh, games that they can pick up for cheap. 
and he can resell them at his store. Hmm. Uh, well, yes. You should you should do the same thing, but just put like like fan out a bunch of ones. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then put like one more bill than he's got on his. Well, some people would say that, uh, you know, um, the stuff on my table is only worth one. So I, I kind of <laughs> am doing that. You got a question the, the, here. The, this is the amount of cash I plan on spending today. That's, that's what Did you answer says. this question? No, I'm sorry. I didn't. Okay, go answer this question because uh, I got to get my notes. To, uh, would I ever 3D print a figure? Sure. If I had a 3D printer, I absolutely would. I do not plan on getting a 3D printer at any time because they're terribly expensive. Although it, it would solve some of my miniature finding problems because uh, there's not a large selection around here. So in the future, if I ever had the cash for one, sure. Well, I got to say your uh, artwork that you've been showing on the Instagram and a little bit on Twitter. I've been seeing them on Instagram. It looks fantastic. Oh, well, thank you very job. much. Uh, I'm I'm just being consistent. I'm just trying to paint every day if I can. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, that's what they say you should do. If you want to write? Well, or... well, I, I um like this is not. I have phases. You know, I go into different things and I'm like, okay, I'm interested in this. Let me do this, and I follow it like really hardcore for a bit, and then you hit a point, and you just slow down, and then you go into something else, and you follow that. And it's kind of natural. I have no problem. I don't regret going in different directions because you do what you're interested in at the time. As long as you don't spend a whole lot of money on it. And then, <laughs> That's my and then problem. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you know? So uh, I, I do that. But this is something that I tried doing like years and years ago, like way back in 2006 or so. I started doing this. And it's been one of those hobbies that have never quite and either never had the time for it or I couldn't dedicate myself to it. I, I'd give up for my own reasons or, you know, I just couldn't get it done. So it's not something that it's like, Hey, this is the new thing. It's like, this is the thing I've been trying to do for a long time, but now it's just the timing is right. Everything feels like, okay, I can do this now. I don't have to worry about going to change a diaper or, or anything like that. It's like my kids <laughs> are old enough. I can leave this stuff out. I got a space for it. So I can dig into it. So I'm having fun. Well, you 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 got a knack for it, that's for sure. I oh, never... that, that's what people say when when you look at the the really good stuff, you will see a night and day difference between my very very low quality painting. But well, I don't. I'm know. enjoying it. Looks good it. to me. It looks I'm good enjoying to me. it. It's good enough for tabletop for you know playing games, and that's that's really what my goal is. And ultimately, you know, if you're having fun, you don't have to be good at something. If you're exactly. having fun, that's all that matters. Exactly. But I think you're good at it. I, I see I, that and I, I think you're good. I actually gave a pep talk to a student recently, which I very rarely do. I tried to motivate somebody and I used the wow. same argument. I had a, a student who I've known for a few years and she wrote a paper and she was saying how uh, she was going to give up being a singer. Because she uh, she said she can't dance or something like that. I was like, I just, I read it and I'm supposed to be checking the grammar and the spelling and all that. But my only question for her is like, uh, what, are you giving up? She's like, yeah, I, I, I can't dance or whatever. And like, who cares? Be a singer sing. Who's going to stop you? Yeah, totally. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the greatest. But do it. As long as you're having fun. 
That's all that yeah. matters. And not hurting anyone. Don't hurt anybody. Right. Um, okay. So we're kind of jumping all over the place here. We do have a, a bit of an outline. So let's let's before before we move on too far away from the Tenacious D show, I just want to remind everyone. If you're a real Jack Black fan, you probably already know this. You probably already pre-ordered it like I did because I'm a real Jack Black fan. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the um, 2001 or two, not sure, the early 2000s movie, Orange County, has finally come out on Blu-ray. So you want to get yourself. What is that movie even about? It's like Tom Hanks's kid, right? Yeah, it stars Colin Hanks, and it's a coming-of-age movie. Uh, he uh, wants to apply uh, for uh, college. Uh, he's trying to get a, uh, his favorite author uh, is a, um, a an instructor at uh, one of these, or I don't know what you call them in, in the United States. We call them instructors here at the uh, college and, uh, or I guess university. And um, he is, uh, he's trying to get in and he has the marks for it, but you know, the, the, uh, what do they call them? Uh, not social. What's the what's the guidance counselor? It's a little bit off and hmm. sends the wrong transcripts over into the school, so he doesn't get in. So he uh, gets his brother, uh, played by Jack Black, to help him get into the thing into the uh, into the school. It, it's it's a fun movie. It's 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 not the best. It's not the greatest movie, but it has some some really good moments uh, in it. So so now I have this. Uh, DVD, the SCSI DVD that if anyone wants Orange County on DVD, just hit me up, let me know. Cause it's amazing how, how quickly the, that becomes meaningless to you <laughs> as soon as oh, you wait. get the better version. <laughs> oh wait, I think I'm keeping it now. Cause that's a pretty cool DVD. I like that. Oh Orange. yeah. <laughs> I got to say like, you know, DVD, they, you know, sometimes DVDs, you, you get some uh, good, that's some it. nice little artwork on the disc there. You got the, the insert that gives you the chapter lists. Yeah. You know, sometimes you get a, little, a couple extras. Well, you know, the difference is back in the day, they were charging an arm and a leg for these things, right? Like this thing is probably over 30 bucks in Canada Yikes. anyways. And now you can get it for like $2 at the thrift store or whatever. Hmm. Uh, so very game exchange recap. I guess kind of did that already. I did okay. Did very well. Sold a lot of stuff. It was a lot of fun seeing it. Mostly again. selling, right? Only. I I only bought uh one or two things. Um, only one that was game related, and that's because I made a deal with Derek uh two years ago. <laughs> I told him that I was going to buy Pit Pitfall <laughs> Two off of him for the Atari, and uh, I forgot all about it. But he remembered mm -hmm. and let me know. But that's that's cool. <laughs> so you know, I felt obligated to buy it. I said, if it's still sitting there at the end of the show, uh, I'll buy it. And when we were getting close to the end of the show, I just went over there and picked it up for ten bucks. So I got Pitfall Two, even though my Atari isn't really working. Uh, it's got the uh, it needs the um, capacitors replacing them. Ooh. It's the old uh, you know cardboard paper capacitors it needs to be updated to those. Uh, Send that ones. to Duke. Help his uh, his repair business. It'd be a heck of a lot cheaper for me to do it by myself. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on! But then uh, you'd grow the community. And I can't. Good vibes. Sending packages over any borders <laughs> is just not feasible for this guy uh, anymore. I understand. Um, so, uh, yeah, all and the rest was all selling. Uh, my table was uh, 
Beside, uh, well, the thing, um, Joe got there really early. He got there before everyone, and uh, there was some kerfuffle about tables or something. I wasn't. I I, w- I was on the sidelines. I wasn't really understanding what it was. But the gist I got is that in the end, you know, we had all the cartridge club tables uh, together, and uh, Joe kind of placed some name tags where he wanted them, and he and he actually had me beside beside him but there was like this mystery table in between us if like there was a, a table that we don't know who who it belonged to mm. um so i ended up getting like basically an extra half of a table uh to to sell on which was which was pretty cool because i only paid for the one table i hope hodge is okay with that i don't i don't know what was going on so i wasn't part of any of that uh, but anyways i got a table and a half um, because what I did was I brought uh, more than what would fit on the table to sell, right? Because as stuff goes, you want to put right. stuff. You don't want there, empty space. Know? Yeah, exactly. So as stuff was going off the table, I would just replace it with more stuff. So that's all I did was I just took that extra half a table. And, uh, you know, uh, Joe and, and Bill made a big deal of it because I thought I had all this great amount of stuff and everything but that's that was what i did was i uh you know kind of planned ahead that's something that they don't really do you know they don't really do that planning ahead thing they do a lot of like pricing at the last minute and that that's their thing that's what they're into i'm about like having it all done before i get there sure so um but what was nice is that joe i think believe i believe he's learned from past shows to not stack things so high so I was really appreciate. I really appreciated that he um, didn't stack things so high that like I've been, I've worked beside Joe before and I've been hidden behind, you know, mountains of VHS tapes and <laughs> consoles and all that. And people couldn't find me, you know, they come around the corner. Oh, hey, Kevin, you're here. I didn't even know you were here. I'm like, yeah, I've been here the whole time. Just kind of in the shadow of these copies of VHS movies. Um, but, uh, this time he's learned to like, you know, keep it down, down low, spread out a little bit. So yeah, see Kevin invaded and in the unclaimed land, I, I actually set up my table and I said, guys, I don't think I'll need this extra space. And there, and Joe was like, no, no, take it, take it, put something on there. So, okay. So I put stuff on there. It's, I, I I was helping out Joe. He didn't want empty space on that table. So that's what I did. Hmm. There's always controversy, though. I don't know why. I, I just show up, you know. I just, how much is my table? You know, what what whatever. Hey, you got to have something to talk about afterwards. You got to create the drama. I guess. Mm. But it was good fun. It was it was good to see everybody again. It was the first time I've seen a lot of people in, you know, two years. <laughs> you know, I haven't seen Hodge. I hadn't seen Derek. I hadn't seen uh, uh, Creepy Josh or anyone in in. If it, it doesn't feel like, like it, yeah, yeah, and so then we all went out to eat afterwards. Of course, Joe took off right away, he didn't even say goodbye to anybody, he just <laughs> gone, and that was it. That was the end. Uh, look, look like good fun. I saw a bunch of pictures, saw a lot of uncovered faces. Hey, good time. Yeah, it was, it was about half and half. I wore my mask throughout the whole, whole thing. Both Sarah and I wore our masks, and uh. In the crowd, yeah, about half and half. Hmm. That's the way it seems to be everywhere here now. It seems like everyone's just kind of 
Yeah, I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for the big announcement to to say like, hey, you know, we're going to slow things down or, uh, you know, it's it's pretty much becoming the flu. Maybe maybe we'll uh, cut back on a few things. But around here, it's still, I'd say 99%. Everything is still covered up, distanced, masked. Yeah. Well, it should still be that here, but I don't know. Yeah, what are you gonna do? What are right. you gonna do? I don't right, even well, remember what's in the outline here. Let's keep it moving because I got Star Trek to talk about, and I think I'm gonna oh, need yeah. half an hour, a half hour block. I and mean, I don't want anyone to get too too afraid because I think I think this this uh, Star Trek talk is gonna be beneficial to all. Everyone's gonna. Well, you want to jump right into it, so we we got time for it. Uh, let, well, I, I do want to know, there's a couple things you have in here that I, I do need to know first. All right. Well, know. just ask away. Let me know what, you uh, want what is this? What is this old man BO? Cause I might have some tips <laughs> for you. I have been dealing with BO for a very long time. I might have some, uh, some well, I am tricks. curious about you. Now I, I have been cautious about my own BO for, mm-hmm. for quite a few years now because, um, five, six, seven, whatever number of years ago, I was last in the U.S. Uh, I, I had gone on my uh, by myself and on I came back. I was there for like five, six days, something like that. I came back and, and uh, get to the house. My wife sees me and she's like, whoa, you stink. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, what do you, I just got off, uh, you know, an international flight. I, I haven't, I've been, commuting for 24 hours of course i stink she's like no 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 it's not that it's like you smell like the u.s you smell like the food you, you smell like the people like what are you making fun of my culture here what is this she's like no, that's just that's racist <laughs> exactly but she said you know there's something in the food uh, the hormones that are floating around in, in america you smell a certain way that anyways after that i was like whoa i gotta be concerned about uh my body odor my uh, you know i'm chewing gum i'm i'm rolling on deodorant three times a day like uh, trying to be careful here because i don't want to be the stinky foreigner walking around so um I, I i'm cautious about that thing but the other day i was uh i stopped in the store on the way home picked up a few things and i went into the shop and immediately you could tell that there was somebody in there that had a little BO problem. I don't mean a little BO problem. I mean, this like you're two, three aisles down and and Mm -hmm. you know, something's going on. I'm I'm just picking up a few things. I'm like, this is, this is unbearable. I I don't even see this guy, but it's just, everybody is pretending like they don't smell it or, or just uh, walking on eggshells. Like, like, I don't want to go near this guy. So I get my stuff, I go to the register, I'm on my way out and, you know, you got to go bag your stuff after you pay for it. And then I realize I'm standing right next to this guy. He, he's right there. It is so overwhelmingly powerful. It's, you know, the, the Seinfeld episode, the beyond mm-hmm. BO. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like, wow, this is, this is reality that, you know, that's not just some joke. It, it's hitting me like this is a medical thing or because it was like an old man and you could tell he's the mm. kind of guy that doesn't change his clothes. He probably just sits in his house, doesn't clean, just sits in his own filth kind of mm. thing. 
I was like, ah, oh, this is just bag up my things, run out. I got home, I got here and I had the bag and I, I put it in here and then I went out and I did a few other things. A couple hours later, I come back in and that smell from the dude in the store is in here. Oh, no. It's like, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I, I, I just thought at first, no, it's just me. I'm, I'm, this is all in my head. It can't possibly be. But I pick up the bag and sure enough, that whole area around the bag, like where I left it on the floor, I swear it had that odor. And it's like, I don't know, did I bag up my stuff? Did I get a big bag of that air and, and bring it home with me? I had to open up the windows, turn on the fans, uh, light some incense, put like all these things around. And it took a few days for that smell to fully go away. It was oh so unbelievably powerful. So really, it, it's I, I don't want to be mean. Like I don't know if it's a genetic thing, a medical thing, whatever. But I could not believe just how strong that odor was. So chew your gum, people. Brush your teeth. Put on your deodorant. Change your socks. Don't well, be wash. Of- you got to wash. Like wash. That, that's <laughs> the uh, <laughs> circus sim. I feel, I feel oh yeah. <laughs> it, it was. I believe it. I believe it at the end of the episode when Jerry just, you know, has the keys and tosses yeah. them to the homeless guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, not the homeless guy, the, the thug. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I, I haven't experienced that kind of BO um, personally, but I have had like coworkers in the past that, um, you know, their philosophy is that you only wash like, a couple times a week hmm. and it's it's not enough it's just no, not enough no you know? i i can see i don't wash my jeans every day you True. know you, you can get a, a little bit more life out of your jeans anything that touches your skin absolutely wash all yeah. that stuff every day yeah. you, you definitely take a shower take a bath every single day um it, it's just life you know you're moving around you're sweating uh, and it's true the food you eat does have mm-hmm. an effect on on your body so if you're eating these stinky foods and you're loading up with the garlic and the onions and stuff you know that that stuff takes hold yeah my roommates had a dog that it would only eat the cheapest dog food mm-hmm. like it like they would try to get it to eat like better food and it, the dog just wouldn't eat it so they would buy like this cheapest no name brand dog food and the dog just stunk of that food all the time. It was like in his hair. It was in his, on his breath. It was just on him mm-hmm. all the time. Permeated on through him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you encounter any people like that at the uh, Barry Game Exchange? I know when you go to those convention type places, there's usually mm-hmm. a couple people. I might have, but I didn't get a whiff because I was wearing my mask hey, the entire good time. For you. Didn't good smell. For you anything what's this sarah says experience this when i returned to college 15 years ago seemed like half the class wouldn't bathe oh my goodness yeah i i has i'm so hesitant to get into uh large groups just mm. for that reason you know there's always a couple of people have you ever had a stinky student or you had to like sit them down and say no well the the good thing <laughs> you know in the past go into the classroom you 
have an assignment. You walk the aisles. You see what's going on. Check on everybody. Recently, I don't do that. You know, the whole distance thing and everything. I stay at the front. Everybody's back there. I don't walk the aisles anymore. Mm, just sit up right. there. So I don't get involved in the the odors that may be going around. At least, uh, you know, for the most part, I think when you when you get a smell from a student, it's usually uh, they didn't change their socks. Uh, you know, they got a, a bag that they, they carry around everywhere. It's probably stinks for the smell to actually emanate from their body so strongly yeah. that, that it repulses you. That, that, that takes effort. That takes quite a, quite a few years of neglect. <laughs> now yeah. see, now I gotta be super careful because if I run into anybody now, they're going to be smelling me. It's like, Oh, mm-hmm. are you really washing? Mm-hmm. Are you really chewing that gum? I travel with gum. Yeah. All right. So what do you want to say about Instagram? Uh, it sucks. Oh, I started using that Instagram just yeah. to, to post some pictures. I yeah. hate it so much. How Can't come? Stand it. <laughs> it's just obnoxious. <laughs> I guess because um, with with Twitter, you know, you you know, obviously, you see the postings of the people you follow. But mm-hmm. um, Instagram, I didn't have that many people I was following. I followed mm. a few more as soon as I started up, and then it's just a flood of. Hey, what do you think of this? This yeah. is what's what's popular. Yeah, and it's noise. It's visual mm-hmm. and audio noise. I mean, there's some good stuff. Like uh, I got I got the Chris Roberts right here, and he posts all mm-hmm. these uh, yeah. commercials. They're right. great. I love looking at that stuff. And then you know, I like like here here. Oh, look at this. See, this is there's like actual good painting. I got some people doing like really high quality uh, painting and stuff on there. But then if you look at like suggested posts, it's this, it's, it's people making like yeah, goo eyes and they, little dance just, clips. Just and past that. I get I, that I, too. I just I don't look at it. Because that's what like 99% of it is. So I I've learned, look I look down <laughs> and then there's a little check that says, Hey, you seen everything. Yep. That's my favorite. And part. then th- there you stop. Yeah. You stop. Yeah. But if I try to, to look up anything, it, it Look, look, look at this garbage. Look at the stuff that comes up. Look at it. (laughs) You don't need to look at it. You can, it's, it's like, it's, it's 99% people, sorry, mostly women who are just putting on little cutesy faces and going into the camera. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) hey, um, 10, 10,000 views. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, just ignore it, man. Is that the right? Oh. I, I don't look at any of that stuff. I mean, sometimes I, I get sucked into like a video because they'll they'll put a video on there or something, and then you look at it and it's the dumbest thing, and I'm like, why did I just waste about 15 seconds? That yeah. was just awful. But so yeah, I, I've learned my lesson. I I don't really look around Instagram. I I will check the people I follow. Yeah. Or occasionally you want to look something up because uh, I do check out some different uh, paint jobs and things on there. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. Done. Yeah. Get out of here. Move it aside. Well, Facebook, like it, because that website is tied in with Facebook. So sometimes you'll not only get that on Instagram, you'll get the exact same thing on Facebook as well. It's like, I just saw this on Instagram. I ignored it over there. Now you're going to force me to ignore it over here. Mm-hmm. And I think they all come from TikTok. They're all trying to do the TikTok thing, right? The the short video. Yeah. Like, like those things, things that, that Chris Roberts posts is he posts them on TikTok and mm-hmm. then he'll post them there as well. 
Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going near that TikTok. I'm, I'm, oh, I, I have it for work, and I and every time I go on there, it's just it's so like, like I I do. If, if people don't know, a lot part of my job is to get the, the videos on social media and put it in a way where the news can and throw it into their their show and and our entertainment show and all that. So when I when we first started doing this, like everything everything was YouTube. Like it was all just you like you didn't even need sometimes you get like some obscure website or or something like from the NHL website that wouldn't put their stuff on YouTube and they were always a pain in the ass but like 99% of everything we did was YouTube. And then slowly Twitter started taking over. Everything was on Twitter. Now it's just everything's TikTok. Doesn't matter what it's TikTok all all the time. I hardly if if there's like um a movie trailer out, that'll be like YouTube. I'll, we'll we'll get a link for YouTube and and put it in. But everything else, it's just TikTok. It's kind of it's, embarrassing. Everything's just becoming uh, shorter and faster. As yeah. you know, as much information as you can in the smallest amount of time. Yeah. Well, they make such a big deal about the number of hits and everything that people get on there. And sure, it's like, wow, a million people saw your video. But did a million people really enjoy that video? Did they like or did well, it no, just come up on their feed? Well, it's like you said, you know, you, you're scrolling through and then suddenly it plays. And yeah, like, and that okay, counts. Th- th- there you go. That's yeah. probably more than half of the people right. that saw the video. So I don't know how much of a reach these things actually get. There are people that are on YouTube that kind of make a, you know, career with a following and stuff like that. And they got a continuous number of people that will watch their stuff, but they'll be just like a random video and they'll make such a big deal. Like, Oh, this thing got 10 million views. And it's like, well, yeah, because it just came up on people's phones. (laughs) Like, it's not like people went out there and said, Oh, I heard this guy was good. Let me check this Mm -hmm. thing out. You know? So. I don't know. Uh, okay. So you actually went through and finished Apocalypse. Yes. The, the I, I thought PS1 you were just classic. messing around with that. I was. Classic. I was. Yeah, I guess, I, I guess I'm letting the can out of the bag. I did enjoy the game. Um, uh, I, I don't know if it's a classic. Per, it does have some problems, but it's a fun. Uh, we talked about it before. It stars Bruce Willis, um, and it's a PlayStation 1 game. Um, it's twin stick shooter, 3D kind of style. It's kind of like what Contra should have been when it moved over to the 3D kind of style. If they went to like that kind of game. Although platforming in it is atrocious and very um, annoying at times. Yeah, it's very annoying at times. And then the game is fairly easy. It's a little bit repetitive too in a few spots. Uh, and then you could tell that when the developers got towards the end of the game, they said, oh, we kind of this game's a little bit short, so they made the end boss like ridiculously difficult. Um, until I figured out a trick to just kind of stay back and hop on the outside islands. If you just hop around on the outside islands, don't go into the middle one, you should be fine. I, I started doing that and I, I beat him on the first go, so um, but yeah, it was, a, it was a decent game, I enjoyed myself. And I, I I even played it all the way through, well, sort of on original hardware. I played it on the, the PlayStation 2, just because that's what was hooked up to the TV instead of... I don't even know why I have a PlayStation 1. You can just play everything on the PlayStation 2. So. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I was playing it on the PC as well, but uh, I had to keep uh, things quiet upstairs because Sarah hasn't been feeling well. 
the last few uh, days. So I've been kind of hanging out in the basement here while she sleeps. And uh, so I finished that. I played through that. And uh, when that was done, I thought, well, what else here? What else do I have on the PlayStation 1? And there was a game called, have you ever played Blood Omen Legacy of Kane? Uh, I know it. Um, PlayStation 1. So, uh, oh, that's the first one that came out, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did have that. I remember waiting for that to be released. It kept getting uh, delayed and delayed. And then uh, I got it, and I was like, that's oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's done by the Silicon Knights guys who did... Um, oh, they did... Uh, Eternal Darkness. Eternal Darkness. Yeah, they're from St. Catharines, Ontario, so they're just down the street uh, from, uh, from me. And... Um, yeah, I remember my buddy Frank playing this game back in the day, and it at the time it was like mind-bending stuff because you were playing as the bad guy, as this bad guy, and as a you, vampire, right? Yeah, and there would be like these people chained up, and they'd be like, "Oh, please help me!" And you just walk by them, and if you needed health, you can just absorb their energy into yourself and and kill off this fodder. It didn't matter. It was kind of it was a very creepy game. It was a neat, uh, neat design. Like he had like a, a scarf or something around his neck. And then when he would, he'd basically drink people's blood. It would kind of come down and he'd like absorb this mist of red. That's, that's the sequel. That's the second Is it? one. Yeah. That's a uh, soul reaver. So that game. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the one I was thinking of. Soul yeah. That reaver. game is like a, a 3d, um, not shooter, but you're behind the character kind of thing. The camera follows mm-hmm. the character, and uh, I guess uh, beat them up because you kind of slash people in that. This, so wait, which, this, which one is this? This is this is the first one. So there was Blood Omen, Blood Omen, uh, Soul Legacy Reaver, Pain, okay, and then okay. Soul Reaver came out, and then Soul Reaver Two came out, and then Blood Omen Two came out on the next generation systems. Okay, yeah, I lost track of it at that point. Yeah. Uh, but this one is like a, it's a 2D game, right? It's uh, okay. it's not 3D. It's it's 2D sprites and that. It's like over the top, kind of like a, you know that Zelda camera kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's the same kind of concept as Zelda too, where you get upgrades and that, and you can access different areas and stuff. But it's a lot more slower paced because the guy walks around slow. And so this game, um, it was I remember like. It came out, so my buddy Frank was playing it on, on the PlayStation 1, and it was, wow, this game is something else. And then I remember grabbing it for the PC back in the day. And, uh, of course, it was uh, uh, one of those, um, what do you call them, preservation copies that you would find mm-hmm. on the, the Internet at the time. So it had all the cutscenes all cut out of it and everything. Okay. But I remember playing this game, and it, the, the one thing that it did nice on the PC was on the PlayStation, it would the resolution was so small that when the character would move to the side of the screen, the whole camera would move around. And it, so you'd only see part of the screen of the area, the room at a time mm-hmm. move up and the camera moves up a little, move down, the camera moves down a little because you know, the PlayStation basically couldn't process the, the entire thing. But in order, in, the advantage they had to doing that was the characters would move more smoothly. So on the PC version, you would get the entire screen, 
but you'd be moving around a lot more slowly. And if there was mm -hmm. any more than one character on the screen, it would really start to chug, right? So there was always a debate on which was the better version. But today, um, so I started playing it on, on the PlayStation and it started doing that camera thing and it was really dark and that. And I was like, oh man, I wonder how the PC version is. So I went and checked it out on the PC. Happened to be on sale on GOG for $5. So I said, what the heck? Let's I made I made enough dough during this uh, Berry Game Exchange. What's five dollars? Let's let's download this thing. And, and now today, you get the you get the entire screen. And if you download, some guy uploaded a, a patch for it to make the characters move more smoothly, like the PlayStation One version. Mm -hmm. So you get the best of both worlds. You get the entire screen. You get the smooth moving and all that. And it's good times. So that's what I'm playing right now. Mm. Look at me playing video games. Oh boy, playing PlayStation video games. I know. I know. Now, there's a lot of stuff that you go back to the PlayStation, the the um the Saturn uh, Dreamcast. You go back to that kind of era and anytime you got uh, one of those really nice 2D games, they mm -hmm. tend to look pretty good. Yeah. If they didn't jump into those uh, early 3D polygons. There's some really nice looking games. Uh and they're usually like that, ah, this is okay kind of level. It's not the greatest game in the world, but uh, they're not bad. That's some fun with them. Yeah, I, I, it's unfortunate that they didn't make more like that. But at the time, 3D was yeah. the thing. Everybody wanted 3D, right? All because of that stupid Mario Nintendo game. Yeah. Well, Mario's and the, the Tomb Raiders were selling well. Yeah. Resident yeah. Evil's, you know. Mm -hmm. So everyone was chasing that. Nobody was, there was still a market for the old 2D stuff, but it was mostly the, you know, Japanese RPGs and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, there were a few more releases that, that came out in Japan that uh, never made it uh, out to the West. And, uh, you know, you'd get the that 2D design, a lot of arcade ports too. Mm -hmm. The 32 bit era, as some people like to call it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, we still got time. Let's, yeah, we could we could do all this. This is all good. Let's uh, mm -hmm. let's hear what you have to say about the Muppet movie. The Muppet movie is great. I watched it uh, again recently. I haven't seen it in a few years. Uh, you know, I got kids, so I watch it every once in a while. But uh, sat down and watched that movie, and boy, oh boy, I, I forgot how old that movie is. Nineteen seventy nine. Mm-hmm. And you got so many cameos by, uh, you know, the celebrities of the time. You get uh, Steve Martin's in there, Richard Pryor, Orson yeah. Welles. I forgot he was in it. That's right, yeah. Uh, a ton of a ton of cameos. Carol Kane comes in. She just That's keeps right, uh, yeah. popping out from behind billboards and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's great. And, I, and I, I was watching it, you know, I've seen it a bunch when I was a kid. And it's one of those movies that just gets more and more impressive the older I get. Because the um, the puppeteering, of course, is you know top notch. The whole Jim Henson crew and, and what they could do, but I, I found myself just getting lost in how believable all of those characters are, just from the simple reality of the the mannerisms and the the movement and the the style of speaking. The performance is so great that just you know there's little things that they do that don't have any 
sense to be in there. There's one point where Fozzie is driving the Studebaker and, uh, oh, I wish, Bill. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> he says I have <laughs> all their autographs. <laughs> Frank Oz is still around. I would love to talk to that guy. Well, send him a letter. Uh, maybe. But, uh, um, yeah, he's driving the Studebaker. He hits this sign and it falls over. And then Fozzie, he just, like, leans out the, the window and goes, ah. And it's like one of those little things. You didn't have to do that. But it's, it just makes it so much more natural. At the end of the movie, they're all sitting around in a theater. And it's just, um, uh, like, you can't really hear what they're saying. It's just, uh, uh, what, what do they call that? When, when you have the subtitles on and, and it, it's talking about, um, the, it's describing the sound. I don't know. It's like when they're talking and you can't really understand what they're saying. Um. But it just, it felt so real. Like all the characters, just the way they're moving, interacting and, mm -hmm. and talking to each other. And it's just, I, I believe these Muppets are, are actually in the theater. Well, didn't Jim Hentz for that opening shot with Kermit on the log <clears throat> in the middle of the pond, didn't like Jim Henson lock himself into a, a That's what I heard. He, he was in like some underground tank so yeah. they could get that, that, that big shot. wide shot, you know, just coming down on Kermit playing his banjo. Yeah, and I'll tell you the one of the greatest special effects I've ever seen in a film is Kermit the Frog riding his bicycle. He, yeah. He's just riding along, and I'm wrapping my trying to wrap my head around like how in the world did they do that? And the best thing I can come up with is that they just said, you know what, Kermit, go get on your bike and, and ride through there, <laughs> and we gotta film it. Yeah, it just it looks great. It's so yeah. amazing. Well, the you know the show was on TV at the time and. Uh, they, you know, there was only certain things that they could do on that show. And that's mm -hmm. what makes, you know, what they were able to do in, in the movie. You know, they were able to, they had more time and more of a budget to set up shots and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was really remarkable what they pulled off. I got to say the movie itself is, isn't really my cup of tea, but it is still impressive. Oh, I love it as as the road the road comedy, just going from A to B, meeting yeah. all the colorful characters. Yeah. I, I'd watched it not too long ago, and I, I don't know if it's because nostalgia or, or the, you know, it just kind of like, I thought it was going to be more. <laughs> you know, maybe I get, <laughs> I and then I watched it, and I was kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. Not not that, like, a lot of the shots, like, the, the art of making the movie in and of itself, like, I would love to watch a document. There probably is tons of documentaries on mm. it how they made that movie. That'd probably be way more interesting to me than the actual movie. Itself. Oh, that, that, you know, that stuff is fascinating. I, I'd probably find that more entertaining as well, but yeah, just that whole era of, of those kind of effects, you know, the practical puppeteering and, and um, animatronics and things like that. It's, it's fascinating. It, it's, it's uh, light years beyond movies like uh, labyrinth and the dark crystal, you know, mm -hmm. while those are technically very impressive, uh, the stories for those movies, I'm, I'm lost in like 10 minutes. Oh yeah. So, I, I would, I would even take the Muppet movie or those movies. For oh sure. yeah. Oh, I love the Muppets. They, I, you know what I like about Kermit and the Muppets in general is they, they don't really have a very, high opinion of themselves uh like there's one scene Miss where they're in the bar. 
Well, yeah, I, what I mean is Gonzo like, kind of does. <laughs> the creators don't look at their characters and say like, well, we, we have to be completely respectful of this character and we don't want to tarnish the image or anything. There's one scene where they're in the bar and, and a guy picks up the Kermit and, he, and he's swinging him over his head and he throws him into the piano. And it's like, yeah, they they just gave him a Kermit puppet and he's just swinging him around. It's like, <laughs> you, you might not see somebody like manhandle Mickey Mouse like that. Disney sure, probably yeah. would be like, oh, you know what? We, we're going to be careful with this prop and we, you know, we don't want the character. Kermit's like a super nice guy. But at the same time, he has his moments where he has no problem like drawing the line, you know. Sure. And and, and he'll, there's one great line where uh, the Electric Mayhem they paint up the Studebaker to to help uh, hide Kermit and Fozzie. Yeah. And and Fozzie goes like, uh, uh, I don't know how we could repay you. And then Kermit quickly follows up with, I don't know why we should repay you. <laughs> and it's like you know, <laughs> he he's not a saint, you know. Yeah. He can have a, little, a few snarky comments here and there. That was a great movie. All right. And you also consumed some Elmore Leonard. Sure, if you say so. You did, because uh, you uh, got three, 310 to Yuma written that, uh, here, which, written. Is, uh, which is a novel that's written by <laughs> Elmore Leonard that was uh, movie-tized twice, once in the 1950s and once in the 2000s or 2000. For uh, later 2000, 2007 or so, somewhere around Okay, there. yeah. Uh, yeah, I just put it on because um, it, it popped up, and I was like, all right, I'll watch a Western. This I is the remake, right? Like This is the remake, uh, Christian Bale and um, Russell Crowe. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's all right. I like yeah. the story. I like the, the, the story behind it of just guy, who, you know, down on his luck rancher who helps transport a convict because he, because he needs the cash. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, that's a great Western setup, you know, nice and simple people being people, you know, uh, the movie itself is, eh, it's all right. You're not going to regret it if you watch it, but you're probably not going to watch it again. And Russell Crowe's pretty good. He's, uh, he's got those acting chops. Christian Bale. I totally agree with Duke. I just can't get behind that guy as an actor, especially when he does American accents. He's, not always easy to watch. Uh, if you want a good Christian Bale movie, the I think it's called The Machinist. That one I've never seen that. That's the one where he's like really skinny. Yeah, yeah. That one was he was really good in that. I've never seen him act like that again. <laughs> that was that was really good. Um, yeah, I, else, I, yeah. I unintentionally watched a couple of his movies. Like I didn't mean to do a Christian Bale fan or anything, but I, I watched that. Terminator movie he was in again that was terrible awful terrible um but That's yeah it's gotta be the worst it, he's got that I'm gonna shout but be real quiet kind of voice that has to be the worst Terminator movie like it's pretty bad been... like it's it's boring yeah it's so dull yeah there were a couple of scenes where I I watched it once a few years ago and I didn't think much of it and then um I don't know. I saw a clip or something. Hey, we got more people. Uh, I saw a clip or something. I was like, oh, you know what? Maybe this is kind of, maybe this is not as bad as I remember. And I watched it again. And I was like, ah, I wasn't paying attention through half of it. Yeah. Like Genesis, Terminator Genesis and um, Dark Fate. Dark Fate. Dark Fate wasn't 
I think Dark Fate was better than some of the others. It had a couple of scenes that were fun, but still it's there's so many decisions being made in those movies that don't make any sense. And if you if if we're gonna rank the Terminator movies, there's one and two. Yes. They're up here. Mm-hmm. Big drop off. Maybe we'll put three. Terminator three there. Three is uh, a three is what I would consider to be just harmless dumb. You know, it, it's it repeats the same stuff. It didn't need to be made, but uh, there's some fun moments in there, and it doesn't make you too angry. Then I'd put Dark Fate, then Genesis, and then another big dip down to that. What what was that one called with Christian? Salvation. Bond? Salvation. There you go. Apparently, you that go. was um, they wanted to like make a whole bunch of those. Like it was going to be like, hey, we're going to do the. I bet. Because the, the time is fine if you want to take it and, you know, talk about what's going on in that future time, like before everything resets. Yeah. Uh, that was That's like a, a fun premise, but they didn't need to do John Connor. Like it it could have just been people in the future because you know what yeah. happens to John Connor. You can get some other re- freedom fighters or something of that time. Something. And then, of course, what, uh, there's probably going to be uh, two or three more of them coming out in the next couple of years. So, and you can rank those. Well, I don't know. Arnold's getting pretty old, so unless oh, well, he wasn't even in that one, I and mean, they don't need Arnold. Can, That's right. He wasn't yep. in Salvation because he was the governor at the time, right? Yeah. Well, they used his uh, likeness for mm. the uh, the T800. Yeah. yeah. Nah. Okay. Nah. That's about um, it. Uh, Mash. Yeah, How's just Mash talk, talk a little bit about Mash. We're in the fifth season now, so we've done a whole season with just uh, BJ and uh, Colonel Potter, and it really feels as if the show has grown up. I've talked a little bit about how they toned down the uh, fidelity, infidelity, mm-hmm. uh, with the characters. Um, now it's like almost non-existent. I mean, Hawkeye might hit on a nurse for one line and that's it. <laughs> um, and a lot of the episodes on in season four and we're some way about 10 episodes in season five. A lot of the episodes, they don't have the option to turn off the uh, laugh track because they really tone that laugh track down. You'll get like through it like a half an episode and Claire will say something and there'll be a laugh track. I'm like, oh, I guess the laugh track's on for this episode. Like. Uh, it it's really really minimal at this point, and then it's it's funny because sometimes they'll throw it a break, like they'll they'll do like the little joke before break, and they'll tell like this fairly lame joke, and then the laugh track will come on like full blast right before the commercial. <laughs> they did they did it, and I I'm guessing that the the people who are making the show, like they must have had like some sort of rule that they had to follow like you got to put the laugh track in so many times from the network or something and that was just like their f you to the network like we're gonna do because colonel potter just said something that wasn't really that funny but that laugh track just off the rails like i think they were trying to sabotage laugh track i think just to get rid of it altogether Mm -hmm. but uh, i gotta say i really enjoy the characters of bj and colonel potter a lot more than mcintyre or um um what's mclean stevens blake Colonel Blake. Colonel Blake. Um, 
you know, like I, I remember before, I was kind of complaining how the characters were a little one-dimensional, and they definitely intentionally put in characters with a little more, like BJ isn't like it was. It was always felt like with McIntyre, he was always competing with Al, Alan Alda, like they were almost like the same kind of character, but Alan Alda could deliver the lines better, right? So they kind of just gave him all the good lines, mm-hmm. whereas BJ is the kind of guy who will. Hawkeye will say something and BJ will say, why? Okay. Why are we doing this? <laughs> you know? And then, Oh, okay. Now I'm on board because you gave me a, some sort of reasoning for this. I'm not going to just blindly do what you tell me to do. Um, but he also has a family and stuff like that. He's very loyal to them. He's got, he's just, he's a different character than Hawkeye. He's mm-hmm. so they're still good friends. They still get into antics together, but there's still two different uh, types of people and he'll go off and do his own thing at times. Whereas McIntyre just never seemed to be in a scene without Hawkeye. And I, I I don't know how much that has to do with the writing. I don't know how much that has to do with the actor, but it's interesting to see nonetheless. Um, Yeah. Well, I've, I've never seen the original movie and and that came from a book, right? It was originally a book. Yeah. They were kind of like pulp books like they were kind of dime store novel kind of things okay because yeah uh, i don't i don't know the relationship of the original uh subject matter if uh, that was just the writers of the sitcom saying okay well this is what was in there so let's copy that and no, see what the, we can do with that the sitcom is did... its own thing it's its okay. own thing with the same it's the same concept same character names it's completely different from the movie the movie is something else it's i wouldn't even consider like it's just the same concept with the same characters i know that the author of the books who based hawkeye on himself did not like the show at all he hated it because hawkeye was uh anti-war and this guy was a little bit more frank burns you know he was a little more pro uh war okay um is radar still there radar still there uh, Frank Burns is still there. Uh, so I, so it's pretty much just those two characters that have changed. So I just want to say about Colonel Potter, um, you know, with um, uh, with Colonel Blake, he was kind of like always like he was a pushover for the guys, right? Like they would just come up with a scheme or whatever. And it's like, oh, don't worry about Henry Blake. We'll just kind of push him over. Now, now Colonel Potter comes in and he's not as much of an easy pushover. And they'll come up with like a scheme or something like that. And you kind of wonder if, you know, Colonel Potter's going to go for it or not. He's not as easy of a pushover. He's not also not a foe for them. He's he's their friend, but he like knows the channels in which and what you can and cannot get away with in in the army, right? He doesn't tie their hands and tell them that they can't do things. But if they have like something moral. Like, you know, there'll be a rule that they can't move off the base. But if they have a moral reason for doing so, Colonel Potter will kind of go for it. And it's just a little bit more of a you know depth to that character that the show really needed. And it, it it's it's grown up. Like the, the stories have gotten a little more richer and better. It's it's interesting. I've I, I you know, watching it now as an adult, and you can see how those kind of changes absolutely gave legs to the show. The show probably would have only had maybe three more seasons. And then it would have been done. Uh, but, you know, it went on for, I think, 11 full seasons. And I think it's directly because of this change and just a little change in direction to, to in the writing. Because it's the comedy's really toned down. It's still a funny show. 
it's a lot of funny stuff, but it's, you know, they're definitely doing their commentary on the, uh, their full on commentary about the, um, uh, Vietnam war. You know, I, I, you forget they're in Korea half the time, hmm. but good show. Enjoying yep. it. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. What do we want to go to next? Okay. I'll just quickly say, have you ever seen the seven samurai? The 1954 uh, no. classic Japanese. No, I haven't. Film. I'm kind of envious of you because you could probably watch it without the subtitles on and just understand everything you're saying because the whole movie's in Japanese, right? I think. I imagine so. I haven't seen uh, it. <clears throat> um, the movie is three and a half hours long. Oh, good. <laughs> it is that. a long, long movie. But I got to say, it flew right by. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> even, it didn't feel like three and a half hours. Uh, it's been on my bucket list forever. Um, it's a classic. It's always on like the you know top 100 movies of all time list. You see it everywhere. The story of it has been retold over and over again. Everything from the Magnificent Seven, which is almost a direct um, uh, Americanization of that movie, to Three Amigos. You know, like the, there's elements of the story in Three Amigos. So it's about uh, this village who's uh, being attacked by um, bandits and bandits pretty much have ripped off the town. Uh, so the town um, they're they grow rice and they grow uh, barley and they're planting their barley and the bandits go in to rob them. They're like, ah, they're kind of, they don't really have anything yet. We'll come back when the barley's ripe and they've, they've harvested all the barley and we'll steal all their barley. So, uh, you know, the farmers catch wind of this and they're like, okay, we got to get someone to protect our town. So they go into the city to find a, a samurai. They, they, they need seven samurai to help them protect them against these uh, 40 bandits. And the movie goes through, you know, every single one of the seven samurai uh, and their reasons for and for not uh, joining uh, this fight to go in there. So then they go in the little town and they help the farmers out, and uh, it's it's real good time. Now, the one interesting thing about this movie that I've never seen a movie do before or since, I'm a bit of a, a map nerd. I love looking at maps. And this movie takes the time to show you the entire layout of the town and where the bandits could attack and where they might attack. And the the, the characters go through, like, where the entry points are and where the like, you know, okay, there's a swamp over here. We'll build a fence over here and all that. So in your head, you get the entire layout of the town. So when the bandits start coming into attacking, you know where they're coming from and everything like that. And everything's kind of set. Like if you're watching a movie like The Three Amigos and El, Gu El Guapo comes in and attack the town, I don't know what the layout of the town is, right? Mm -hmm. You see them digging a pit. And then a bunch of horses fall into the pit. Well, you're assuming that's an entranceway into the town or whatever. Like they don't, they, you know, they don't actually lay everything out. But this movie does. And I, I've never seen that before or since. So I found that really interesting. But yeah, it's geography really a, in film is extremely important, especially if you're having a big battle scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes it is. But like a lot of times, like they just, they don't, they don't bother. Right. They just, you know, show you, show you, um, stuff happening and you just kind of take for granted that you know what's going on is kind of important hmm. look at this the llama seven samurai great movie worth your time to watch absolutely i agree with that uh but at the end of the day it's just a simple movie simple premise simple characters 
and they're all fun, fun to watch. There's this one guy that he was my favorite guy. He just kicks ass. That guy, he fights. Uh, there's this guy that uh, they, when they see him, he's fighting some guy with, with sticks. Right. And he just like hacks this one guy. He's like, okay, you're dead. You know, whatever, whatever competition we were having, it's over. Cause you would have been dead. And the other guy's like, no, no, I would have won. He's like, no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be dead. He's like, all right, let's fight with real blades. He's like, I'm not going to fight you with real blades. Cause if I do, you're going to be dead. And then two seconds later, that guy's coming after him with the blade and cuts him, cuts him down. That was my guy. They're like, Oh, we need uh there were the bat, the, the um, bandits had um, muskets. Right. And that, that gave him a huge disadvantage. And they're like, all we need is one musket. If we had one musket, you know, th- that would even the odds. And the guy's like, all right, just give me a few minutes. And he takes off, comes back like a few minutes later with a musket. It's like, how'd that guy get it? That musket. It was good times. Good movie. Hmm. All right. So a movie, another movie that I watched that was much shorter. I'm watching these, by the way, because I, I finally have some time to myself because Sarah's kind of sick and not watching movies with me right now. So I kind of so get to say the you picked them because they have numbers in the title. No, no. Yeah, I thought you were doing like a countdown. So I've been dying to watch uh, the fifth element uh, again, uh, because I, I, I've only seen it the one time before. Okay. I saw it in the late nineties. I was over at a friend's house. He had this little 12 inch TV. We rented mm-hmm. the movie from the mom and pop store. Down thing, put this movie in. They all loved it. I did not get it. I, I just this, but over the years, top you know sci-fi movies. Where the greatest sci-fi movie? Fifth Element. Fifth Element. What's your favorite movie? Fifth Element. People love the Fifth Element. Mm. Like, well, maybe I wasn't in the mood for it. Whatever. I knew Sarah was not going to watch it with me, so I, I saw it there on Netflix. I'm like, all right, I'm finally going to give the Fifth Element another try. Plus, it was kind of in my head because I was playing that Apocalypse game, right? So, you know, the Bruce Willis. Kind of has the same haircut and everything, and so he's movies. had the same haircut for quite a few years now. I th- I think they might he might have been doing those two projects at the same time. I think I don't know. Anyways, so I put this fifth element in. Now mm-hmm. Seven Samurai, three and a half hours flew by. Fifth element is two hours and five minutes. I couldn't wait for this thing to be over. It's so excruciating <laughs> slow. I even skipped past. All the like anytime Chris Tucker came on, I skipped mm-hmm. past it because I just wanted to get to the end of this movie and it still dragged on. Mm. I hate this movie so much. I I cannot tell you if it's a good movie or if it's a bad movie. I just know that this movie is not for me. And it actually made me angry watching it because the humor in it is so stupid. Like none of it is funny at all. It's either I, I like I get that they're they were going for like some sort of sci-fi satire, but none of it was funny. None of it. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm right there with you where I've I've actually been thinking about watching that again. I watched it for the first time just a few years ago, and I was in the like, what what is this? Why do people enjoy this movie? Of course, the Chris Tucker scenes are, are over the top, but even beyond that. It was just kind of goofy at times. Uh, you know, it, it's it was dull, boring. Uh, but I've been thinking the same thing. Like, maybe I should give it another shot. There are a lot of times I watch a movie for the first time and, and I have expectations and, and then the movie does its own thing and then I have, like, kind of a, a skewed view of it. I just watched um, uh, Deadpool again. 
because mm-hmm. I remember like not totally enjoying it the first time. I was like, okay. I, second time through, it's a little easier. There's some parts that he's still really annoying, but overall, not bad. So yeah, I, I've been tempted to go back to this fifth element, but I, I can't imagine that uh, my opinion is going to change too much. Well, and then beyond that, the story makes no sense. It makes no sense to me. I don't. I don't get it at all. Um, so let me. See. I got. I got a whole bunch of notes on this thing. Uh, let me see here. Uh, the first thing. Well, the first thing that makes no sense. So the movie is about these these stones, right? And there's this big evil thing that happens once every 5,000 years in our universe. And these stones that are designed by somebody, aliens or something, um, is designed to stop these this evil thing that happens once every 5,000 years. How they get 5,000 years, I don't know. Years are, are our thing. on earth because we spin around the sun and that's how we figure out how long a year is, how the whole universe falls on that same clock. I don't know, but whatever that's nitpicky stuff. So the stones are here. The fifth element is, is a person that goes with these stones and the stones and the person stand in a place and they all, you know, come together and they make a thing that will stop the evil thing that happens once every 5,000 years. Okay. The thing that doesn't make any sense is that for some reason in this universe, the stones are a secret. Nobody knows about them. Why are they a secret? Why is nobody allowed to know about the stones? It, 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 these, these aliens that protect it, the stones until until 5,000 years come and then they go and get the stones and, and bring them out. They, they don't do a very good job of guarding it because first attempt they make to go and get the stones they get shot out of the sky by one little ambush some other aliens ambush them blow them up they're done toast gone don't see them for the rest of the movie so they're not well protected they're not well guarded and if you had something that was like going to destroy everything every five thousand years if you know anything about anything the or in, in in order to get something done you need cooperation you need you know, people to get together and to do this thing. So for some reason, they keep it a secret and only a few people know about it. What happens if something happens to those few people? Like if the whole goal of this thing is to stop this thing, that's going to kill everybody every 5,000 years. Why wouldn't you have everybody know about it? So if something happens to one person, you know, then the next person can come in and take care of it. Or if that person can't, then the next one comes in and takes care of it, you know, I, I guess the idea was that this thing is so powerful that it could be used as a weapon and they don't want it to get into the wrong hands. Okay. But who on this planet doesn't know about nuclear weapons? In fact, and, some, uh, some of us even much, know how they work. In pretty much all movies. As soon as somebody has a secret, <laughs> that that's usually the, the, there's the start of a your sign biggest of poor plot hole. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's a sign it's, of poor as writing. Soon as somebody it's has lazy. Secret, it's like, why? why? Why are you keeping this here? Why don't you share it, this information? It makes no sense. So, so the movie can happen the way that they want it to happen. But yeah, just just uh, let, let somebody know. <laughs> if you let people know, like if, if all humanity knew about this thing, then you'd get nothing but support. 
Because and without it, there'd be like gonna... a whole system in place of uh, <laughs> we got to make sure these stones are here all the time. Uh, make, and they get here at the right time and thing. Nobody screws with them in that because if they don't, that thing that happens every 5,000 years is going to wipe us all out. So let's all work together and get this thing done. Yeah. And the movie. Bruce Willis in a taxi cab flying around. Oh. Makes no sense. Uh, boy. Um, oh, and then, so then they. So the person that goes with the stones, for some reason, I, I, I found it really hard to follow the plot. For some reason, she was dead, and they brought her back to life with a, with a hand. They had her hand that was holding onto a suitcase, and they bring her back. So now she's back. She doesn't understand English or anything, but there's like this line of priests throughout time that know of all this stuff, right? Like they're a part of the secret society that know everything that's going on. So that becomes Ian Holmes job. She comes, she comes to life. They bring her back to life. They bring in Ian Holm and then they get together. She escapes. They get together. She goes and finds him. They're together now. Okay. So Ian Holm knows what's, what's to do with this person that goes with the stone. The person is Mia, Mila, Jean, Mila Jovovich. The lady from, the Resident Evil movies. Alice. My name is Alice. Which, by the way, they kept going on on how perfect she was. And I, I don't know. If she, she doesn't really do it for me. I don't. I don't know how perfect she is. Maybe for some people, she does. She, you know, she's a pretty girl. But I, I like a little something more to hold on to than, than that. But anyways. Well, she was a model. You know. They're, they're, maybe for some tend, people, they tend maybe to be very, very slim. <laughs> anyways. So he gets her in, into her place and then she starts learning about humans, right? She gets on some sort of internet thing and she just starts reading stuff. She's like eating food and she's watching everything and, and everything about humans. So now she knows everything. She knows how to speak English. She can't speak it very well, but she knows, she knows everything until the end of the movie when it's revealed that she doesn't know how violent we can be our violent past, our violent history. She finds that out later. And it's like, well, why didn't she learn that when she was in Ian Holmes' apartment? Like, did Ian Holm have the net nanny turn on or something where, like, nothing violent was shown to her? Hmm. She only was shown the good stuff? I, I don't know. A lot of the movie just didn't make sense to me. Well, clearly, of- clearly you're in the mode where it's – you didn't enjoy the movie, so you got all these nitpicks. They're they're coming. They're not you. nitpicks. These are problems that need to be <laughs> fixed. There was like I was looking forward. Like she was reading. So when she's in Ian Holmes' apartment, she's reading about martial arts, and I'm like, all right, there's going to be some martial arts in this movie. She's going to know how to do the kung fu and stuff, and we're going to be able to see that. And when we finally get to that part, there's this annoying blue woman that's singing while she's doing the martial arts, and they keep cutting away to this blue woman that's singing. And I can't enjoy it. I just want to see them do the fights and the martial arts and the choreography in that. No, we got to keep cutting to this stupid, terrible song and this blue woman that's singing. Who, by the way, they, they hid the, the stones in. It makes no sense why they would hide the stones inside of a blue woman. I, I don't know. I didn't get the whole thing. Anyways, I got a lot more, but I see I'm losing Vox. So. Well, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, so a lot of the details are very fuzzy. I don't remember all the, the things that there were was going one part on. I just there... remember that the movie was 
Hey, you know, uh, some visual fun stuff to look at, but I was bored through the majority of that. There was movie. one part where they, they want him to, to go off to this planet, so they come up with this. They rig some um, uh, contest for him to win uh, so he can, like, incognito go over to this other planet. And the bad guys catch wind of this and that. And so the bad guy, Gary Oldman, uh, before they take off, he's all pissed off and he blows up the plane, like he blows them up. And then the next scene, the plane is taking off. And I don't know if that was like the next, another plane or something. I wasn't sure what was going on. I was so confused with this movie. None of it made any sense to me. Anyways. I got a lot more. A movie that you just can't get into. No, not that one. I'm 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 struggling right now. I'm watching that um, the Suicide Squad, the the James Gunn one, the the second attempt at a a Suicide Squad. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm less than halfway through it, and I I don't know. I'm (laughs) I don't think it's a bad movie, but it's just not grabbing me. I didn't like the the other one, so. Well, this one is a completely different tone, completely different style, and is you it know, the same and, actors. Um, from what I can tell, I think only Harley Quinn okay. is, is the the only person that came back for this. I think it's meant as like a reboot, just try it again. Um, and in the first five minutes, you can tell it's it's immediately better than that other movie, but still, there's something about it that I don't know. I just can't get into it. There's some good moments, but yeah. it's a little all over the place for me. All right. <clears throat> well, for some reason, we only have 10 minutes left, and then we're going to start talking about Star Trek now. That's, I told you to start <laughs> talking about it earlier. Uh, okay. <clears throat> well, so there's this new Star Trek series. I, I'm going to set it all up for people who don't know new Star Trek series called Strange New Worlds. So basically, Star Trek Discovery comes out. Fan base is pretty much, I don't think, there with that show. As much as other people might say that there's some people like it, but I think the fan base isn't really there for that show. In the second season, they kind of brought back the Enterprise. Um, There was a captain of the Enterprise before James T. Kirk named Christopher Pike. And Discovery takes place before the original series, and the Enterprise shows up with Christopher Pike. I don't know what happened in that season because I didn't watch it. I didn't care to. But the popularity of that crew created this spinoff called Strange New Worlds. That is what this show is. It's the captain before James T. Kirk. Um, It's based on the original pilot, for the original series, which actually had Christopher Pike played by Jeffrey Hunter on it. Um, And Spock was the only character that was carried over into uh, the James T. Kirk uh, version of the show. Um, With that, they, when they, back in 1966, when they shot that pilot, I don't believe it ever made it to air with Jeffrey Hunter. But in the first season of Star Trek, they spent so much money on that pilot and making a show like Star Trek in the 1960s was so expensive that they actually took that pilot and incorporated it into 
the show. Mm-hmm. It was a two-part episode of the show called was it the Glass Menagerie? Was that what it was called? Menagerie. Menagerie. Yeah. The Glass Menagerie is a play. <laughs> I think it was just yeah, the Menagerie. Anyways, uh, Spock was on trial for something, and uh, the the plot of the pilot, uh, of the original pilot with Jeffrey Hunter, was going to save Spock somehow. So it was kind of mixed in with like uh, this trial and mm-hmm. uh, scenes from uh, this pilot. So. Within the Star Trek universe, everybody knows about uh, Christopher Pike and what happens to him. So basically, when they did that with the Menagerie, when they brought, when they incorporated that pilot into the show, uh, they couldn't get Jeffrey Hunter, who originally played uh, uh, Christopher Pike, into, they couldn't bring him back. So basically what they did was they put him uh, into a wheelchair and burnt half of his face and put a different actor, like put a different actor in there with half, half of his face burnt off in makeup. So within the Star Trek universe, you know what happens to Christopher Pike. At some point he has this accident, which makes him a cripple. So that is already the first problem that Strange New Worlds has. Right, is that you already know what happens to Christopher Pike. You already know what happens to Spock. So the thing that a good prequel has to do is to make the other characters interesting. Kind of like Better Call Saul, hmm. where they made, you know, you had Saul. You already know what happens to him. They have Mike. You already know what happens to them. What are we going to do? We're going to give Saul a brother. You care about what happens to the brother. We're going to give him Kim Wexler, his girlfriend. Now you care about her. We're going to give you taco or nacho. I keep calling him taco. <laughs> taco. Nacho. You're going to care. You're going to care about him, right? So you get you pepper in new characters and give them some strong writing. So that is what Strange New Worlds has to do. And I got to say, I think they did it. I think they did it a little bit. It's only the first episode. It's only the pilot, but so far, I'm saying the show is pretty good. Hmm. I'm kind of impressed a little bit. I actually watched it twice. Ooh. I watched it twice. Well, the second time, I didn't watch the whole thing because the first 10 minutes, I, I actually hate every character that they brought back from the original series onto this show. For instance, Christopher Pike is kind of just his problem is the same as Kirk's in a way. It's kind of like been there, done that already. Whereas mm-hmm. they got to convince him to come back to the Enterprise, even though he has this. Um, I, I maybe what's with Picard too. They kind of do this all the time with the captains. They always got to convince him to come back to the Enterprise for some reason. Uh, even though Kirk always wanted to come back, they he you know. You had to do the whole Admiral thing, you know, make sure that the Admiral thing was okay. And I, I don't know. Anyways, I, I just kind of felt like we've been there and done that. So at the beginning of the show, Pike had some traumatic event during Discovery. I don't know what it is. I'm not 100% sure what it is. But eventually they reveal itself that he saw his future. So he knows that at some point he's going to get all burnt up and it'd be a cripple in a wheelchair. 
which is kind of interesting for the show because he knows that and we as the viewers know that and them ad addressing that problem directly is kind of a commentary on the problems with prequels altogether. So that kind of element to Christopher Pike actually kind of makes him a little more interesting because he doesn't know how he's going to handle himself with knowing what his outcome is. And we don't know what's going to happen because we know what the outcome is as well. So it's kind of an interesting uh, twist on it. So I, I really enjoyed that part. Um, and then, you know, they go to Spock and he's with uh, Tepang or Tapal or Tapanga or whatever. His, remember when he had to, when they had to go back to Vulcan in the original series and he had Ponfar and he had to fight mm -hmm. Captain Kirk because. A mock time. Yeah, yeah. They, so his wife is there and that. I found all that stuff boring. By the way, Bill, if you're still watching, remember Bill complaining about how uh, Daniel Craig was too buff to play James Bond. He was too pumped up. They show this shirtless Spock in this thing, and he is like, like the Rock. He's like muscle man. He can't even bring his arms <laughs> all the way down. Like that's not Spock. I gotta say, I hated every character that they brought back. I didn't like the Spock. The guy's voice is too deep. He's he just he doesn't come across as Spock to me. He's all that's like. Unless you're doing a comedy where you're supposed to laugh at the actor, everybody has to be jacked now. Yeah. And it's like For everything. It just, doesn't matter what your on. role is. Spock Unless... eats vegetables. Like he's <laughs> not come on. He's not drinking powder protein powder shakes. Give me a break. Uh so and they gotta show him with the shirt off, you know, for the ladies, I guess. So mm -hmm. uh they brought Uhura back. They made her cadet Uhura. Uh, she's supposed to be like a genius thing. So I guess it's kind of like the play on Wesley Crusher a little bit where the inexperienced person is part of the crew. I didn't like that. I hated, hated Christine Chapel. They bring Nurse Chapel back. So this show was written by a couple of writers and then that Kurtzman guy was in the writer's as well like he's like sandwiched in the middle and it, this is all kurtzman like you could just tell like just the writing of her character and everything is like it's like if i'm going to sign off on the show you're going to have to have a, a you know a kurtzman like uh character uh in this show and she was just so obnoxious um you know just one of those like you know has all the answers kind of thing and go you know i don't know i it's just it's Total turnoff. Hated it. Uh, Kirk, they keep they keep saying that Kirk is going to be coming to the ship. Kirk's coming. Oh, you want Lieutenant Kirk on the thing? And then at the end, his, his brother shows up. It was Samuel Kirk that shows Sam up at the Kirk. end with, with, the, with the mustache. Um, so I hated all that. But the newer characters, I like. They had like a new first officer for a little bit. I didn't understand how she was on the ship. And she's the new first officer. And then while they're out, you know, doing their thing with the with the space and that, and they go and they save his original number one, the one played by Majel Barrett, you know, back in the now it's played by Rebecca Rebecca Romaine Stamos. She probably doesn't have the Stamos anymore, but she's played by her. They go and rescue her on this planet. And then so he she becomes number one again and then the original number one 
I, I don't know. He's like, oh, I'm going to offer you a position on the ship. I watched it twice. I still don't understand. She was on the ship. And for some reason, she wasn't on the ship. I, I don't I don't. Then he's like, oh, come on the ship. So she becomes a security officer. But I liked her character. I think her name was Nunian Singh or Sung or something like that. So I'm kind of worried that they're going to tie her into they're still data. tying into that. Yeah. Name. And I was like, come on. Like, let's just let that all rest already. I don't need to see any more. Like I, they just need some reason to kind of worm Brett Spiner into the show for some reason. I think, I don't know if it was a sing or a sung, or maybe it was uh what's there's Khan Nunian sing. And then th- like, I, I don't know if it was supposed to be tied in with him. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But anyways, I, I did like her character. Yes. There was a Gorn story at the end. They re- they, she's, she's really well fleshed out. She, they got, so I liked her and uh, maybe that was it. Maybe that was the only new character I liked. I mean, number one, like the uh, Rebecca Romaine, she was fine, but she was only on there for a little bit. Um, and then Pike. Yeah, they did him. Uh, I know a lot of people were over in the Star Trek discord were impressed with the special effects. I thought it was like, there were so many lens flares. It would make, uh, what's JJ Abrams blush. Like it was just way too much reflections and lens flares. And it just, it was a little too much for me. They need to tone it down a little bit. You know, it doesn't need to be like every fucking scene. Oh, sorry. Every flipping scene <laughs> needs to be like in your face, you know, let like, let me just look at the ship. You know, I don't need like flashing lights and everything. Just let me look at the ship. I just want to see it. Uh, so then here's the thing. Now, the one problem with Pike's story is that he keeps saying that he knows that this thing's going to happen to him. And they they keep saying that he knows his death. Like, this is when he, like, he knows when he's going to die. But the thing is, is that he doesn't die. He's still living. He's just kind of crippled and half his face is burnt off. And he can only Unless say yes that's no. the twist. Maybe there's like a... You know, he go he recovers from the uh, the accident and then lives another who knows how many years and then eventually dies. Because you know, you, you if you're gonna retcon this whole thing, you can have him be in the chair, like, oh, he had this accident, he's in the chair. Oh, but there's state of the art technology that can uh, get you out of there. Yeah, maybe a, a young Doctor McCoy figures out how to fix him up or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, he does say that he's like, it, I, I know my death or at least the death of the man I am now. They so could be I talking that there could be some vagary to make you think they're going in that direction, but then they, you know, it's referring to something else, you yeah. know, could be, but I do like, that's kind of an interesting twist. It'll be interesting if they actually take on the problem with prequels and that and like we all know what's going to happen he knows what's going to happen that'd be it'd be they, interesting they could, have some, they could I- immediately go into some alternate timeline have some you know retcon the whole thing and have pike live beyond that and yeah they don't have to worry about it bill says i think he said a form of death no it's yeah okay okay he's a little behind that's exact because i wrote it down because i'm like this doesn't make sense to me uh, the death of the man I am now, but that, that, but he says that once, and then they keep saying like, "I know when I'm going to die. I know when I'm going to die." And I'm like, "Okay, but you didn't die at that point. Come on." Um, the doctor. So there's a doctor on on the ship. He's 
played by a black guy. I think he's from some African country or something. I'm an ignorant North American. I really don't know anything about accents. I just hear, I'm fine that the doctor is, is black. I'm fine with the doctor having an accent. They just have to have him enunciate a little bit. He's got like a real, like a, he's got a bit of a gravelly voice and he's, he, he's a low talker talks a little bit low so they need to have that guy enunciate for dumb americans american dumb north americans like me that can i need to hear enunciation i can't hear too well so i just need to hear i like the accent's fine just enunciate what you're saying look i work in television i work in the communications industry i deal with accents all the time but you gotta speak up so i can at least catch every second word or whatever so i can follow along with what you're saying especially in Star Trek where they're just throwing jargon at you. Right. And it's like, is he saying something important or is this just the jargon moment? You know, is he just talking about the Johnson rod in there or something? Uh, yeah. So that's the only thing that didn't, that didn't make sense to me is that, that part with the, the, the first officer and she, she's like, she didn't tell. So she, so the first, the, 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 the first officer that becomes the, security officer at the end she gets pushed off to the side at some point like it, it's revealed that she that the two number ones had this past and they knew each other and for some reason she wasn't allowed she felt she couldn't tell the captain this like that, that none of that stuff made any sense to me but anyways so what, what's that. the part you actually liked about this show you started oh, what i like you think it's great Okay. Like they're, they're that they're they're doing something right, and then yeah. it's like this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. I don't like this. I don't like okay. this. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Let me get to the stuff that I liked about it. First of all, self-contained episode, right? Pretty okay. much, you got a little bit like it's it follows kind of like the old logic. Like if if something happens in the show and it's resolved by the end, you'll never see about it again. But anything that still carries on will carry on. So you got that um, uh, episodic feel to the show. So I like that there was an actual uh, it was it was I don't know how spoilery you want me to get, but I'm trying to tickle your ass with a feather to get you to watch this. So I, I'm just going to I'm going to spoil some things to get you to watch this show. So um, in Discovery, I didn't watch it, but I picked this stuff up from watching it. So I don't think you need to watch Discovery to figure this out. But in Discovery, at some point, the Enterprise and Discovery do something in space to create this huge anomaly in space that makes all these warp signatures go like be detectable all over. Right. And so this little planet off to the side, that's way in the past. They're in the, like, they're not, they're not in the past, but they're behind. They're like, you know, centuries behind, like they're in like the equivalent to our century right now. They got telescopes and stuff and they see this anomaly, right. In space, they see it. And they're like, oh, you know, with that information that we just got, we can reverse engineer a warp thing. So the so the the Federation accidentally gives this planet that's not ready for warp capability, warp capability. Mm -hmm. And then so cat so Captain Hunter finds this out. You find this out during the episode, and things happen. I'm trying to be vague and stuff, but it was stuff like that that I thought, oh, that's a really good Star Trek idea. That's a nugget of Star Trek that I can digest and consume and really enjoy. Okay. How he fixes it, it's a little bit 
resolved way too easy, but that so was the original series, right? Kirk would just go in, make a speech, and then everything would be fine, and the Enterprise would fly off into the sunset. So it was stuff like that. Okay. That was real revealed slowly. And then how the characters interacted with each other and all that. They weren't arguing with each other all the time. They weren't fighting with each other. Uh, that person, uh, I can't remember, that Noonien Singh character who didn't tell the captain that she knew number one before. They had a discussion about it at the end. And it was like, okay, let's have like a rational discussion about it. Let's not just yell at each other. Why didn't you tell me you knew number one before? I don't know. And I don't know why it was a big deal that she didn't tell him or why it was a big deal that she didn't. Uh, I don't know. And there was, there was stuff that I wasn't sure what's going on, but it was stuff like that. That kept me going. So okay. it's just a pilot, but we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But I was, I was happy with that first one. Did I say captain Hunter? You That'd did. be a good name. Actually. Captain. I'm sure Pike. there's been a captain Hunter somewhere. Captain Pike, Jeffrey Hunter was the actor. It was a Hunter TV show. That is on one of the streaming services. And I started watching it and I'm like, wow, this is a huge, big, giant, conservative <laughs> gun toting show. <laughs> My goodness. I don't rem I remember it being so, you know, pro gun before, but geez. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, you latch on to the good points of the Star Trek because I've been watching uh, the original series again, uh, mm -hmm. not not because of this whole uh, strange new world thing. It just it was in the mood for it because a few years ago, a year ago, I don't remember when I was going through uh, the original series. And for some reason, I stopped and I just kind of picked up where I was. So I, I I was at the tail end of the first season. I watched like half a dozen episodes. So I'm into the second season now. And there are plenty of moments in the show where I, I'm completely absorbed and I'm like, wow, this is really good. I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this. I'm enjoying everything. And then something will happen that would be like a huge no-no nowadays. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, certainly the way that uh, a lot of the female characters are treated. And you're like, whoa, that, that, that's uh, even for the time, this, this is a little, little sketchy. So you can always find your pros and your cons and everything. Uh, but at, at its core, you've got that that thing you can latch on to. You get the, you get the good characters, you got the good writing, you got the great moments, and you know you can just uh, cringe a little bit when uh, a few things happen. There was one episode where um, uh, uh, you know strange thing happens. You, there were a lot of episodes where there's like a godlike being that traps the crew or the Enterprise and says, "Oh, you're going to do what I say, and I'm not going to let you go." Uh, they beam down and immediately. Um, oh no, no no! I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of two different episodes. <laughs> it happens. It happens. But uh, anyway, there was. Um, they they had this uh, uh, civilian character. She was helping to prevent a war on, on this planet, and she became ill. So they had to bring her to uh, um, like a medical facility, and on the way. They they come across this um, this godlike being, and anyway, the 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 female character who's supposed to stop this war, she's dying. She ends up. Um, oh, it was the episode where they they ran across uh, Zephram Cochran as a okay. younger guy. Yeah. And oh, okay. Yeah, and there's this entity that mm -hmm. is 
keeping him on this planet and keeping him young. And they yep. realize that the entity is female in origin and that it has like this bond with him. So, it exists. Anyway, so the, the woman who <laughs> right at the very beginning of the episode, there's a crewman that, that dies, like that gets killed. And Kirk is going on about, Oh, uh, this crewman, I can't believe I lost a man. And, you know, I, I hate when I lose a man in, in, in service. And at the end of the episode, the, the female character who is supposed to prevent this war is dying naturally. And the alien takes over her body. And it was, it was just like, well, she was going to die. So I'm just going to live in her now. And everyone's <laughs> like, okay. And, and the very last thing is like Kirk looks at the camera and he's like, I guess we can find another woman to, to, to uh, prevent that war. And it's like, they just <laughs> completely disregard her as a person. It's just, as eh, just some woman. Some no one's going to tell about how, you know, where did she go? What happened to her? We, we just gave her body away. How many but times? Woman. How many times have you seen Kirk save the day by teaching some random woman the meaning of love? There, there are a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, oh, that girl over there. She's something. Yeah. Bill, if you're still here, just give me like a give me give me a little short blurb on what you thought of uh, Christine Chapel. I, I can't be wrong about this. She was so friggin' annoying. I, I I hated every second of her. Just give me a little blurb. Just uh, in Kirk terms of character performance, or, or was it more everything? Healthy? It was everything. Like you know, like you know, like how you don't like annoying kids. This was like a just that mm -hmm. as an annoying okay. adult. She had an answer for everything. You know, uh, it, come back. I, I, I think I understand what you're saying because any of the characters from Discovery, essentially, it was that know. absolutely yeah, okay. that. It was like she felt totally out of place. You know, just and mm -hmm. like you couldn't let a scene breathe. She just had to fill it. With well, all the time. I have not seen this strange. Oh, come on, Bill. She was. <laughs> she wasn't even hot. I have come not on. seen this new show, and I'm not interested in jumping onto it. Uh, if if I hear from like after a season that the overall consensus is, Hey, it's, it's really good. It's closer to what Star Trek is supposed to be. I'll check it out in some form later on. But uh, the cynical part of my brain is, uh, you know, they got the discovery that goes this way, right? They got the Picard that goes this way. And you got the strange new worlds that's going the other way. It's like, hey, let's let's appeal to the classic Trek audience and, and listen to their demands. We'll do that. And then once we've got them, <laughs> it's gonna go that way. Yeah, we can start leaning not. in that other direction. I so well, look, if yeah. if you watch the pilot, at least you got some modern Star Trek done right. Yeah, at least you got that one episode. Well, here's the thing: it doesn't have to be perfect because it's a not. lot of Star Trek is never perfect. You know, right. all the stuff that we, you know, you tout and you say, "Oh, these are the great episodes; these are the great series." Star you Trek Four is perfect. You so. can always find your problems here and there. There's no problem but with Star Trek Four. Zero. You can always find your problems here and there. So as long as the core is good, you know, zero problems with Star Trek Four. Uh, there are a couple of the movies I have zero problems with. Yes. I'm just, I just don't, yes, don't hurt yes. my Star Trek 4. Don't, don't, don't bruise that apple. It's so nice. I'm not Tasty. trying to talk bad about Star Trek 4. Yeah. It's got that classic character of the punk on the bus. who <sighs> really culminates yes. when you come well, back to That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you need to go with that backstory. My <laughs> God. Come on, guys. Come on. All right. So there we go. Strange New World. I, I am, I am 
excited because I'll have this and then the Orville's coming back. It's going to be good times. I, I just hope, I hope they, they stick with it. I hope it's not, I hope they stick with the good stuff, but I, I like, I liked, I like, I, I, there's, there's more I could spoil for you, but I'm trying not to spoil stuff for it. You, if it's good, if it maintains a consistent, good rating. Do you have the means to watch it there? Like, is it there? I, I don't even know. Like, I, I know this stuff shows up. You can go to the rental shop and pick it up, but I, I, I've mm. never even checked whatever that CBS Paramount thing. I have no idea if that's available here. I have no interest in paying for another subscription just to watch it. So if it if it ends up being good uh, when it becomes available on video or something, I'll watch it then. I'm well, it's no on a completely different streaming service for us. It's tied in with with crave here which is tied in with my cable thing so because i know the like when discovery started it was on netflix here and it was labeled as a netflix original that was the deal they had for distribution over here but then uh season three i think it was from from that and the picard show that that doesn't show up on there they got some other now so yeah netflix is hurting right now because that was the same here i believe all the star trek at some point was on netflix and now it's all gone is over on really crave yeah i I believe it's all gone now oh because yeah it it, all the original trek is still on netflix here the first five series and even a couple of the movies are on there now well i just i turned on crave and i typed in star trek so i can find Brave New World and or Strange New World, and uh, all the Star Trek came up. So mm-hmm. I didn't actually look at Netflix. Maybe it's all still there, but it, it would be unusual to have them on both on two services. It, they're usually, you know, their shows are usually exclusive. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. Big episode, big two-hour episode. Uh, don't forget to join us on Discord. Don't forget to check out Duke's uh, Duke and bandy tomorrow that's that's going to be interesting you're going to be able to attend that at 8 30 p.m eastern Standard i, I gotta time? check my time zones uh wait tomorrow yeah uh i might i might be going to work depends on what uh time that is uh, well i yeah i'm not sure what 8 30 let's see it's uh oh, almost gosh. 7 a.m here so add 13 and a half hours uh no no because no. this time tomorrow i'll be or already be driving to work. Well, the good thing about uh, YouTube is you can always watch it later. So yes, so it should be fun. I did. I did ask what, like, I had to find out because it was all a mystery as to why this was happening. So I did go over to their Discord and ask, like, "Hey, did you guys end up in a tie or something? Like, what's going on here?" And that's where I found out that they beat all the games and everything. So should be interesting. Should be good. The beat off. Yes. All right. So I had to get that in one more time. You can also join us on uh, Twitter at retro underscore fandango. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's an episode. Thanks, everybody, in the chat. We had the llama here at Sarka Sim, and we had Bill. Mm-hmm. And, and yes. That was yes. it. That was enough. Yeah. We didn't need more than that. That was nice. The stream yard. The little duck was here. The duck was, he's always here because we're too cheap to pay for the non-duck version. 
Really? Right. There's a duck version? Yeah, if you pay for it, there won't be a duck. We've got a non-duck. No you duck. have to pay just to remove the duck? I like the yeah. duck. Yeah. Well, there you go. So then it works out for you. Yeah. All right. I'm sure everyone listening right now is riveted. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <sighs> That's two hours, man. You did it again. You hit the wrong button. Kevin left the thing. <laughs> I haven't done that now in a while. It was your yawn. It threw me off. All right. And broadcast. <laughs>